Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. All ready to talk Penn State football. How about you, T. Frank? I'm caught off guard. I didn't know that's what we were doing today. I am. I'm, I'm a little. I'm a little surprised. <laughs> T. Frank, I tell you, read the notes. Read the notes. <laughs> we haven't been doing the same thing every week for about a year. Ah, oh, I was just caught off guard by this week. I was not prepared. But no, yes, yes, I am ready to talk Penn State football. Well, you're just going to have to wing it since you didn't look at the notes. Anyway, <laughs> before we get started, T. Frank, the quick reminder, Keystone Sports Network, we are partnering with Collegiate Athletic Travel to offer the opportunity to travel to Auburn for the Penn State-Auburn football game in September. Really excited about this. Charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and of course, a tailgate party at the stadium. You can't beat it, T. Frank. If you want more information, you go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. I hope you'll get the chance to join us. Dustin and I will be on the trip also and would look forward to traveling with you. All right, T. Frank, our topic for today, you know, this has been a pet peeve of mine now for as long as we've been doing this show, which has been for several years. We all are so enamored with the incoming freshman class. It's the new shiny toy yep. that we totally forget about those second-year players who many of them have redshirted, so this is going to be their first year to affect the program, but they're totally forgotten, aren't they? Yeah. Well, part of it is because we spend, you know, especially if you follow recruiting, we spend so much time talking about uh, a players, a, a class for essentially two years that once they get into the program, it's like, yeah, well, we, we talked about them. Now it's about another group of players we're talking about for two years. And then, you know, they, they cycle into the program. But uh, yeah, the, the, the actual impact of these players will be felt more this year than in previous seasons. That's without a doubt. Exactly. But we still we forget about them, and we're going to correct that today. We are going to take a look at those second-year players, those guys from the class of 21 who will start to uh, be a factor on the field this year. First of all, just want to get your overview of the class, uh, T. Frank. It wasn't one of those really highly regarded classes. What's your take on this group in total, though? Yeah. Uh, so quick setting the scene of why we're talking about them today is that uh, Penn State uh, made them available to the media. And, you know, with disclosure of all those things, we're recording before the media availability. Um, but on Wednesday, the first time that the media gets a chance to talk to these players uh, after their freshman season, Penn State has a policy that you do not talk to freshmen their first year on campus so they can get media training, learn how to talk to us, learn how to have a camera shoved in your face and be asked random questions that seem random. Um so we're getting our first chance to meet them this week. Uh, but the my my opinion on this class is that I don't have a strong one on this class because 
this was one of the weirdest years ever. This class was the class that did not have a senior season because of COVID-19. That a lot of their seasons were canceled because of the pandemic. So when it comes to film evaluation, a lot of what we're going off of is their junior seasons. Or, you know, in some situations, I have a very clear picture of them because they were allowed to play football, but people weren't allowed to be there. So all the video was online. So it is very much a light and dark sort of like some guys I have no idea about and some guys I have very clear picture about. Uh, but in general, I think the biggest thing about this class was that um, it's a small one. So especially the recruiting proper of the guys that came in with scholarship offers. Penn State did not have the numbers to get a full 25 in, in 2021. So because of the volume, they were lower ranked. But the quality of the player, I think, as we get into this, you see, it's not a bad class. There are some very talented players that I think could be, in some ways, program changing for Penn State. Well, we're going to take a look at them uh, just real quick by the numbers. By one service, they were ranked 21st overall. It included five four-star players, but only one top 200 player. After, and I'd like to just make a quick note of Lonnie White was part of this class. Very highly regarded uh, wide receiver. Two-sport star. Chose to play baseball. Can you imagine that, T. Frank? He decided he'd rather take a million and a half dollars up front and go play baseball. What was he thinking? He was being selfish is what he was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no he he made the right call um also nate bruce was a part of this class the harrisburg offensive lineman uh and and that was one uh, that i think is a a big part of the storyline of penn state's offensive line like not that he would have contributed last year but when you talk about depth and numbers and the fact that he left the program pretty soon after joining the program so they were left with one offensive lineman in this class well why don't we start there then with that one offensive lineman he was also he was that player that was ranked in the top 200, and we're talking about, of course, Landon Tengwall. He got some time last year, even though he redshirted, and he's probably going to be a major part of that offensive line, isn't he, T. Frank? I have been trying to ride the line of objective without being the conductor of the hype train because Landon Tengwall, I just love watching him play football, man. Like, it's a joy to watch somebody who's good at football and has the skill to be excellent. Uh, and and he's a, a very mature football player from a positional standpoint, from a physical standpoint. And we'll get to meet him on, uh, you know, when we when we talk to him to see what he is as, as a person. And I imagine if, if everything else about him is rather mature, that he's probably a rather mature player. But when I say I think that some of these players in this class could be program-defining, He's got a differentiating factor about him on the offensive line. He moves people. When he hits them, they don't stay in place. And it's a basic thing, but it's, you know, it's not. It's very highly underrated that he's doing that. He did that as a true freshman last year and has the opportunity to be a starter and possibly a breakout player this year. Uh, And again, I'm trying really hard to be objective about the fact that his fundamental positional skills are excellent. He's strong. He's uh, agile. The only reason he's not a left tackle is because he doesn't have, you know, I think the arm length and a little bit of athleticism, a little bit of lateral agility to really protect the edge. But when you kick him inside, that's an all all Big Ten guard. You know, I'm I'm predicting big things for him. Well, T. Frank, 
this is one of those cases where the fact that you're typically a Debbie Downer on things. So right. <laughs> when, when you are leading the hype train, there's a little more credibility to it. So it better happen or I'm coming back to blame you for it. Yeah. So, <laughs> very exciting. And especially we're talking offensive line. If there's a position of need, there you go, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you would love to have two or three Landon Tang walls, but really, if you've got one that is a starter and is an above-average player, then um, you'll take it. Like Even if you don't have another offensive lineman in the class, and you can make up ground other places through the portal, other recruiting, JUCO, how, what, what have you, if you get one Landon Tang wall who is, who is as good as I think he can be, I mean, other than that he's not the left tackle, I don't know how he could be more valuable to have somebody that that sets a different tone on the offensive line. And setting him next to uh, Fashanu, who is at left tackle, you, you hope that that's the building blocks for a solid left side of the line. Uh, let's hit the wide receiver. Liam Clifford, Harrison Wallace, or the two wide receivers from this class. Again, both yeah. were redshirted. We going to see any of them on the, either of them on the field this year, T. Frank? We'll definitely see Harrison Wallace. I, I Another guy that I, I'm projecting is going to at least push for playing time. Something I wrote uh, last week at Blue White Illustrated was, you know, underclassmen who can push for playing time. And I have him pegged as a guy who stood out in spring practice. Uh, the, the coaches and, and other players raved about his athleticism last year of a guy with great vertical leap, can play above the rim, all those cliches about you know his ability to go and get contested catches and be a dynamic athlete. Not just speed, not just uh, movement ability, but playing a, over top of other players. You know, um, If he can do that at 6-1, that is just a different dynamic to the, the Penn State receiving core. And he's going to be a boundary receiver. So there are now ostensibly four players and three of them are competing for the same position. So I would expect him there. Liam Clifford, uh, he's a he's one of the guys I have the best view of as a as a football player from his high school days. He is a sl- I I think he's a big bodied slot. I think he's a possession receiver. The other day I was looking at him compared to some of the other Penn State receivers, he looks like a tight end. Like he is a thick strong kid. I think he moves well. He's a good route runner, but I don't know that as that room gets deeper if he's a slot receiver, is he going to be better than one of the actual tight ends, or is he going to take Parker Washington off the field? I don't see either of those, so I would have a hard time seeing him getting significant playing time next year because of the kind of the positional depth where he's trying to break onto the on and and the scarcity of the fact that typically there's one slot receiver. Well, and it's funny I've told this story before. He was always Sean Clifford's little brother. So when I first watched his film, I'm expecting this little guy. And as I'm watching him, he was like a basketball player boxing out his defender, using his body really well to make plays, which I found very interesting. Like I said, that's on me. I hear little brother. Oh, he must be a little guy. Not the case. The Cliffords are big dudes. (laughs) <laughs> well, and and I was impressed with how he used his body. He yeah. did use it really well. And finally, uh, on the offensive side, just to wrap it up, uh, Khalil Dinkins, he's at tight end. I met the tough part for him is if there's one position that's deep, there's three other guys at tight end who are yeah. all pretty good. Yeah, and, and, and he's— for him to see the field, right? 
Yeah, and he is uh, smaller, too. He's more of a receiver tight end. Uh, a former defensive end in, in high school as well, so he kind of played both sides of the ball. There's some question maybe he would be a defensive end with Penn State needing some stuff there, but I think they've restocked the cupboard pretty well since then. Um, you know, he, he just looked he just looks small compared to the other guys in the spring game. So I think he still is a, a year away needing some seasoning. The reason we saw him so much is because Theo Johnson was not participating in the spring game. Uh, and he was good. Like, actually, I was surprised, you know, just because I thought he was a rather raw prospect that he was doing very well as far as positional understanding and all of those things during the spring game. But what are what are you affecting? Are you are you big enough and strong enough to block and things like that. So, yeah, I, I don't see much of a role for him this year other than on special teams. But, you know, I, I think it, I have a better projection of him than I did previously after seeing him. Very good, T. Frank. All right, in quarter number two, we're going to look at the defense. And, oh, by the way, I missed one guy on the offense, the quarterback. I'll see if T. Frank has anything to say about him. Stay tuned for that. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lion's soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstations, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with Thomas Frank Carr. T. Frank, this show we're looking at the class of 21 always the forgotten group with the second-year players. And we went through most of the offensive players from that side, from the class of 21. The one guy I overlooked, it's the quarterback, Christian Vayu. I know we talk about quarterbacks so much. This is your chance, though. Tell me about Christian Vayu. 
Yeah, well, I'm really interested to see just from his perspective where he is mentally. Because I mentioned COVID-19 and canceling a lot of senior seasons for these guys. And, and he was one guy that, that uh, a lot of the, the guys from Maryland didn't have a season because the state canceled their, their senior seasons of football. And he's an interesting player coming from Canada to uh, Western New York first and then transferring down into uh, the Maryland area to play his junior season. And then that was it. So how comfortable does he feel, you know, in football? Where is he on the mental dis- uh, process of learning the game at, at, at the most important position and the hardest position? Because you got to know everything. You got to know run game. You got to know passing game. You got to kind of be an expert, like a, a defensive coordinator to understand what they're trying to do to you. Or at least theoretically you should. Um, how's he, how's, how is all of that? And how has his transition to college been? Um, you know, I, I'm just I want to get to know more of the the mental makeup of Christian Veyu to know kind of what he is a, as a, as a football player because the early returns have been very good but very limited and there's just so much more to learn about a position that that you know I don't think you're ever done learning about. It's fascinating. As long as Sean Clifford stays healthy, we won't learn much more about Veyu at least on the field. Yeah. If Sean Clifford gets nicked up, though. We're going to learn a lot about Christian Value. Yep. All right, T. Frank, well, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. And where there were a couple players who burned their um, red shirts last year. And let's start with some defensive backs. Kalen King, we know, uh, burned his red shirt. He was a semi-regular last season. We know we're going to see him. And also, Jalen Reed was the other player on defense who used up his red shirt uh, last year. Let's start with those two players. Yeah, so with with Kalen King, I think we all are pretty aware of Kalen King. Like, even if you're just a a casual Penn State fan, you've seen him play, you've heard the name, you've heard all the accolades. What I think he'll get asked the most about, and I'm just kind of predicting here, and the thing I'm interested a little bit in is um, what happened. So, freshman... Uh, season in spring, James Franklin called him the most prepared freshman ever to come through Penn State, you know, that to be an early enrollee and all of those things. And then he didn't see the field and didn't play. And James Franklin said, like, he should be a guy pushing for special teams playing time. He should be a factor on the third phase. And he's not right now. And then eventually he worked his way onto the offensive side of the ball. So what happened? What was the growing process there like? What did that teach him about, you know, all the storylines and things that that people want to know through, you know, what what I think most journalists do is, you know, telling those stories. And from from a X's and O's standpoint, just, you know, I just want to know more about his, his skill set. You know, what's um what's the upper ceiling on what he's able to do and what he thinks he's capable of? And it's a very talented and I need to underscore this a very talented secondary in the class of 2021. And when I say that there are aspects of this class that can be program changing, he is part of a trio of players at the very least that can do that in the secondary. Well, let's go to the safeties who I think you're referencing. And there's uh, where there's Jalen Reed and Zaki Wheatley who moved over from cornerback. Those two, I imagine could both be a factor this year. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I just was done writing about um, Zaki Wheatley about another player that can push for playing time this this uh, fall, because just like Kalen King last year in his move to safety, Zaki Wheatley was a standout 
he was the he was the guy that was the turnover king for Penn State. So we got the most interceptions, the most turnovers during spring practice. And watching him in the blue white game, I was super impressed. And it wasn't just that he's 6'2, 191, and still looks and plays like a corner. It's the fact that he's so mature. He's so patient. Uh, a lot of so the safeties in Manny Diaz's defense really are just slot corners that play with a deep responsibility. And he's matched up against the number two receiver. So that's the slot receiver. That's a primary inside receiver. And watching him go against uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith and Malik Mega and, and even Caden Saunders, who's a huge athletic threat, the patience he shows not to bite on any double moves, not to bite on any head fakes. He just has such quiet feet. And then he bursts at the football. That is a sort of special trait. Now, if that translates to playing against other players and, you know, you've always got to play against the guys at Ohio State that are all first-round picks, like, he's going to have plenty of measuring sticks this year, but the early returns for me, I'm expecting big things from him. Uh, so he'll he'll share time at that position with, Ke with Keaton Ellis. And then Jalen Reed is the other safety at the other position, a more physical, a bigger body, which is funny to say, seeing as he's shorter, but you know, he's over 200 pounds already. Uh, and we already saw kind of what he can do. He just needed to get bigger and stronger this off season. You know, I think he's done that. So they've got a very talented, uh, depth at safety this year and having consistency in the secondary, having consistent play there helps you have a more even year to year transition of defensive performance because Pass rush can only do so much. Like, they are, it's integral. You never want to do either or, but if you have a consistently strong secondary with very talented players, literally you're keeping a lid on the passing attack. You're not letting up big plays. You're getting some turnovers, and then when you get a pass rush, it makes them even better. So, you know, there's this theory of build front to back. Well, you know, the analytics says build back to front because at the very least, if somebody throws a pass, you have the ability to knock the ball away as a corner or a safety. So those players living up to that potential that I just outlined is the next wave of uh, Joey Porter Jr. and uh, Tig Brown and Jai, uh, and uh, and Jaquan Brisker that were so good last year that led to Penn State's best performance in points allowed under Brent Pry. And as a Penn State fan, after losing a couple players to the NFL like Brisker, Tariq Castro-Fields, you still feel good about the defensive backfield, the depth, the incoming players, the returning folks, a uh, place we're very confident in. A place I haven't been so confident in, uh, T. Frank, is that linebacker. And I, I've pointed this out before. Not only did you lose two out of three starters, you also lost Jesse Lucada, who was you know the first man off the bench or off the defensive yeah. end to come in and replace that line. So you lost three out of your top four guys there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be up to this class of 21 to fill the holes at linebacker, isn't it? Um, Possibly. I, so I go back and forth on that because the only one is Mike linebacker because right now Penn State is running a 5-2 a defense, right? They're running a, a safety-like player at the SAM position, which in Manny Diaz's defense is called the striker. Uh, 210 pounds. I've seen players uh, that went on to play in the NFL, by the way, that were like 190 pounds at that position. So, and and that was on a very good defense, but it's it's just a different beast. So you've moved Jamari Budden, who is a very talented, very high upside player, who in high school just got so many turnovers. 
Uh, he is now a Will linebacker. He's not the Sam anymore. That's what we saw from the uh, blue-white game. So they've condensed their need for linebackers down to just two spots. And it's now down to Tyler Elsden and Kobe King as to who's going to be the starter at Mike linebacker. Um, and King looked good. He's always looked good. He's 245 pounds. So if Penn State fans are like, or he's 240 now, he dropped a couple pounds. But so Penn State fans are worried about the size of, of players, and they've got one of their biggest Mike linebackers potentially playing at the position. Um, it was just, there's more to learn there. Uh, there's just more to learn there. He's a smart football player. He's very fluid. Speed is something I wonder about at his size. Um, and then just ev literally everything else. You know, how do you take to the Mike linebacker position that has to call the defense quarterback of the defense you got to understand the front you got to understand the coverage you've got to understand where you fit in that as that middle line of defense so all of those things that's a lot and and uh, Tyler Elsden a older player in the program he those two are battling it out um and we'll see how that lands but with Budden I think uh given that he's behind the star of the defense the star of the front seven anyway in in uh, Curtis Jacobs, I, I I wouldn't project a big role for him next year, unless somebody gets hurt. Gotcha. All right, let's look up front uh, to the line itself. The guys that I have listed as potential from this class defensive end is Devon Townley, defensive tackles Rodney McGraw and Jordan Vandenberg. Who's going to make part of the two deep rotation there, T. Frank? Uh, well, uh, my buddy Jordan Vandenberg, who's a fan of my show, uh, and, and is, uh, <laughs> last time I saw him at, uh, at, uh, uh, Max testing day, I gave him a fist bump. So definitely him. Uh, and it's, it, I'm, I'm very glad that that's the case because I'm not lying. Like I'm not just making a joke. He's, he's going to be a factor at the defensive tackle position and how Manny Diaz is using defensive tackles is different. I think than it was previously only get to see one game, right? So you get to see the blue white game. But their usage pattern was very different than it was previously, where there was a clear and defined one technique, a traditional 4-3 nose tackle, and then a three technique. I think they're going back to this left and right thing, where it depends on the formation, it depends on where you're on the field, as to who is doing what role, because the role of both is chaos and havoc, is to destroy the offensive line through penetration and quickness. And Vandenberg has the ability to do that, and has the hands, the strength, the quickness, um, and, and the tenacity, like just the ability to play through contact, which is a physical thing. And it's also a mental thing. The other two, I, I'm not projecting anything for this year. Rodney McGraw was a defensive end in high school. He was a defensive end until this spring. He was moved inside. He needs to, he needs to do some growing. He needs to do some learning of the position. And then Devon Townley was a physical prospect that needed kind of the same thing, same seasoning. I didn't quite see what I wanted in the blue white game and Penn State's getting some five-star talent. Uh, coming in so to be to be playing like there are other players that I think will will pass him up and he as he needs more time to marinate and develop uh, so I wouldn't expect much of those other guys and finally and most importantly T Frank we got a kicker Sanders yeah say hey Dak yes and also uh, Gabe Nwosu the the 275 pound punter is uh, is considered part of the class as well. And I want to shout out Dominic DeLuca, the linebacker as well, who is he's the backup to Jonathan Sutherland right now and got like 18 interceptions during the blue white game. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information. Like, I, I, be, I believe he's a non scholarship player. So uh, he did. He, he made hay while the sun is shining. Will he see the field next year? I don't really know. But he didn't look bad. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting what he does. And then, yes, what I'm doing is filibustering because I don't know anything about kickers and punters. 
Uh, so, you know, they're important, and one of them needs to be good. I'll tell you what, I'm rooting for the 270-pound punter just because I want to see that. Right. That is it. That is it, T. Frank, for quarter number two. Stick around. Quarter number three, we've got your questions, and we're going to ask T. Frank. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we ask Thomas Frank Carr your questions. If you want to ask a question for T. Frank, and by the way, it's off season, so we're getting a little low on questions. It's a good time to send in your question. Good chance it'll be asked on the air. Download our app. Just search Keystone Sports. Get the app. You'll see the nice Ask T. Frank button. And of course, like every week, if it's your question that's deemed the best question, you get a prize. This week's prize is a copy of the book, Why Penn State by Greg Woodman. We had Greg on a couple weeks ago. Really interesting guy. By the way, Greg was the guy who started the the Joe Paterno cutout, you know, stand-up Joe Paternos. Those were horrifying. 
those were the ultimate prank in college because you could put them in the bathroom, you could put them behind somebody's dorm room door, like, and they just popped out like they were a uh, like they were a, a horror film character. They, <laughs> that happened to me more than once. <laughs> That's not what they were designed for. I, I I think they were designed for tailgate parties. That's what, yeah. or weddings. I've had. Several Penn State people get married, and then the Joe Paterno uh, cutout shows up for that. But anyway, Greg wrote a book called Why Penn State. It's a fantastic book. I read it in, in one sitting. Uh, it, it specifically talks about the decade of the 80s, so eventful in the Penn State football history. couple national championships, by the way. You could order your copy by going to whypennstate.com. It's also available at Amazon, probably everywhere else that you could get books. Or you could send a question in, send the best question, and you'll also win the book. So let's get started, T. Frank. Let's go with Mike in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, who says, Hey, T. Frank, enjoying your careful film study. Wondering if Penn State could improve its running game with more pitches, quick handoffs, sweeps, and decisive off-tackle runs. It seems as if very few of these are called anymore in favor of delayed mesh point indecision and plunges into the crowded middle. What do you think, T. Frank? Uh, well, first off, I think that our level of questions is already better than last week. I was going to say something about we need to step it up because last week was not a great crop of questions. This one's great. Uh, yes, I, I think that more. Uh, so this is this is a delicate balance. This is a delicate balance because in 2019, Penn State had this this pitch play I loved. It was a power pitch where it's a read between the quarterback and the running back. And it, uh, Noah Kane was very good at this where um, you know there's a puller coming around the outside, and really the setup is for the quarterback to run the football. But if they overcommit to where the run action is going, you have Noah Kane out in the flat against either a corner, a slot corner, or maybe a safety that's coming filling in late. And they did a great job of creating plays out there. There are plays in this, in this playbook that I've seen from Oklahoma State and from Ohio State where there are direct handoffs. The problem is Penn State's offense, offensive line couldn't handle it last year, and the tight ends especially couldn't handle outside zone blocking. And I know I've, I've harped on this probably too much. Like I might be overstating the importance of one particular run scheme because as long as one of them works and you have something that you can go to the well with and you, you just know is going to be reasonably effective, you don't need to run everything. But that's what you would get with the outside zone is you would get more plays threatening outside of the tackle box because in a lot of man blocking and a lot of inside zone, which, by the way, are kind of the same thing, all of it's going to the A-gap. It's all just plunging into the middle. It's all just running into a brick wall. And if you don't have a center, especially, and offensive linemen on the interior that work well together to get those combo blocks and those double teams and your running backs don't read it right, then you got a problem. Then you got what you had last season. Now, again, the, the running back has a part of this. Reading the linebackers, making them wrong. That's also a part of their job is to have them commit and then go to the other hole. But if there's not another hole, there's nothing for them to do. So it's a lot of different moving pieces. And when James Franklin says it's all of it, like that's what he doesn't want to get into of like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the things that go into it. But I do think that there is room in this offense, and it would benefit from a little bit more of a diverse point of attack. 
outside, inside. And not just with jet sweeps, not just with the the receivers running the ball. All right, next up is Dan from Briar Creek, PA. Do you know where Briar Creek is, uh, T. Frank? No idea. Sounds like it's not a fun creek to be in, though. It's a suburb of Berwick. Gotcha. With briars all around the creek. Or as we say, crick. It's Briar Creek, but it's a crick running through it. Anyway, let's get to Dan's question. He says, with the change in Sam linebacker strategy, half safety, half linebacker, who gets pulled when they go true nickel and Daquan Hardy comes in? Jonathan Sutherland, yeah. So this is something I've had the conversation on on my show about before. Of um, Daquan Hardy is a really good slot corner. He is one of their starters. Terry Smith uh, has said that this offseason. Of he's one of the best corners on the team. But the idea of running this this type of defense and it's you know this striker position, whether it's a true five two nickel or not if it's a safety if it's some sort of hybrid the idea is that you've got your sub packages your main package you don't need to substitute but Jonathan Sutherland's skills are not to play in single coverage or to play in deep coverage if it was he would still be at safety so he is very much more of a linebacker then he is a safety and skill ability. And that's the really the semantics that James Franklin is talking about moving him to linebacker. That tells me he's not going to have any deep responsibility whatsoever, even as a former safety, unless there's some like wrinkle. They're, they're throwing something out there that's just, you know, a, a trick. Um, so it would be Sutherland. But going forward, is that still the case? Or are they going to find slot hybrid players that don't have to come off the field? That's the thing I'm interested in, and as many Diaz going to be here long enough that that's the case. Um, so, so that would be it's pretty much the same as it was before. In that sense, the structure of the defense is very much the same. Got it. All right, let's go to Randy in Fairfax, Virginia, who says conversations about this team always seem to center around the offense. Am I the only one concerned about the loss of talent on the defense to the NFL? I don't think it will be easy to replace Brisker and Ibikidi. What do you think, T. Frank? I think he's right. I think that's a a very fair point. I would say that I would have thought that about Brisker until I saw Wheatley and Jalen Reed. And I don't think there's been a better defensive back to play at Penn State that I've seen than Brisker. But in the aggregate, can you replace him? Maybe. Um, I, I think you're going to be good at that position. You're going to be stable at that position. So I, that's why I'm a little more positive about the defense. But pass rush is the number one thing to me. I agree. I don't know what Adisa Isaac is. He's got two, like four career sacks. And I don't need sacks to know something. But like he's been inconsistent with his pressure because he's been inconsistent of being on the football field. And that's a pretty important thing. He's 240 pounds, 245 pounds. That's not... Arnold Ebikini is 250, and and the reason he wasn't a first-round pick is because he was too small for the NFL. So I, I got to see some stuff from from Isaac first, and I, I know I'm probably lower than everybody else because of the way uh, Isaac's been talked up his whole career, but that makes me nervous that only certain guys play at that weight and are able to be consistently effective. Shaka Tony, it took him like five years to get there. And, uh, you know, uh, Adisa Isaac's a bigger player, longer frame, more of the traditional size, but he's not big. Uh, and then you've got two guys coming in, in Damian Robinson and in Denai Dennis Sutton, 
one of them played Sam linebacker essentially last year, a, a hybrid position of a pass rusher and and a cover corner or cover Sam linebacker. And then the other one is a true freshman. So which one of those guys hits? Which one of those guys it becomes your number two pass rusher? Or is there some combination of those two that becomes that guy? Because James Franklin said, I asked him during spring practice, how do you feel about your edge pressure? You can get pressure on su- inside with some of the guys you have there, but what about edge pressure? And he, he said, yes, that's the area we need to improve. A week later, Damian Robinson had committed to Penn State from Maryland. So the answer is not currently on the roster on campus and wasn't there for spring in my estimation. So that's a big problem that they've got to get that part up to speed so that then the secondary is not hung out to dry and it gives those young players time to learn and be good before they're exposed. And Manny Diaz defense, he talks about it. Uh, The, the rush is quarterback pressure is the best defense. He says, so obviously it's important to him also. Yeah. Let's go to Larry in Bowlesburg, who says, T. Frank, who is the player on the Penn State roster that you think is underrated and overlooked but will have an impact this season? And, T. Frank, did we talk about him uh, during our break here? Uh, well, so the, <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is because there's, uh, there's so – like, I've talked – so many hours this offseason that there's no such thing as an underrated overlooked player to me because I've I think I've said all of their names at least five times. Um you know, Jordan Vandenberg is the one I, I think that you know it it again, I've talked about him so much that is that underrated and is the is well, the number two at the position. Other, maybe maybe you're not underrating them, but other people are. And by the way, T Frank, say it. If you want to say it, just put it out there. You've got a man crush there. Oh, for it's sure. It's okay to say it out loud. For sure, yes. Uh, absolutely, that's the case. I have a man crush on Jordan Vandenberg. Uh, so the, the the question is then, I need to know more about how they're planning on using the players of that position because that'll dictate how much he's used. Is Are they going full three technique? Like they just want pass rushers and speed guys because then you've got Izzard, Beeman, and Durant that are all that thing. And then on the more run-stuffing stuffing side, you've got Mustafer, who I don't think is going to be a huge factor until maybe midway through the season. You've got Ellies and Vandenberg. So if there is a positional differentiation, he's the number two on one side. If there isn't, he might be number three or four, given what they're asking of that team in that particular position. What I saw from him is that he can do what Manny Diaz wants, which is absolutely destroy the offensive game plan by being annoying in your gap. Push the guy, get upfield, penetration, quickness, and violence. I can see all of those things from him. I can see him doing that. So, yeah, that that would be the guy. T. Frank, we need a winner. You know what? This I wish we could have had two or three of these questions last week because these were all great. Uh, but I'm going to go with Mike. I thought Mike's question really set the tone for the day. Very good. Mike, our leadoff hitter and MVP. We'll get in contact with you, Mike, about your book, Why Penn State. That is it for quarter number three. Thank you, T. Frank. Stick around. Quarter number four, we're going to be talking some recruiting. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State-Auburn game. 
Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K-Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. That, of course, means we have Penn State Rivals lead recruiting analyst, Eric Lammers joining us. And to find everything from Eric and his team at Penn State Rivals, make sure you go over to PennState.Rivals.com. And if you're interested in more from Keystone Sports, you just download the Keystone Sports app from your app store. Eric, how are you doing this week, sir? I'm doing well. I am doing well, Jim. You know, it's good to be back on here with you. Uh, I was down in Atlanta this weekend for another Rivals camp down there, so I, I'm coming with you a lot more sun on the face and on the arms, but it's good to be back and, and talking Penn State football with you, though. It is, but Eric, I was telling you this off the air. You got to get better at your job here. What's going on? We're starting to hear about these Penn State targets. They're looking to commit elsewhere. Uh, so we have some, unfortunately, that's the news this week. We have some Penn State recruits that they really wanted. They uh, were at the top of the Penn State's list. And let's start near the very top, and that's with Rodney Gallagher, a uh, wide receiver listed as an athlete. He's from the Pittsburgh area. And just to let folks know, we're recording this prior to his announcement but Eric, it sounds like all indications are he's on his way to West Virginia, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's obviously, uh, you know, ride the waves of recruiting, I guess. It's the up and downs of the business. And, uh, you know, you can be hot at one one month and the next month things things just don't seem to be going your way. And that's kind of the little bit of the funk, I guess, uh, you know, Coach Franklin and his staff are finding themselves in right now. Um, and like you said, none bigger probably than Rodney Gallagher. Um 
choosing not to come to Penn State. You know, obviously we can talk about, you know, all signs are that West Virginia is going to be the pick there. Um, he had an official visit scheduled for later um, on that big June 17th weekend with Penn State. And, you know, we felt good about that just because of the guys that they were bringing in for that weekend and who was going to be on campus and the family environment that they were going to, they were trying to create for that weekend. And so we were looking at Rodney as somebody that could ultimately end up in that class, get him to that weekend, and see what happens. And and that just wasn't going to be the case. Something came up in terms of his connection with West Virginia. Uh, he felt like it was time to move up his decision date from what was previously um, a later or you know middle of a summer type deal to move it up to the you know May 25th. And yeah, that was when that happened. It just did not feel like that was good news for the Nittany Lions, and 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 thus it was not. This one hurts a couple different ways. First of all, the fact that he's a Pennsylvania guy. You want to get those top Pennsylvania players in. That's your home state. That has to hurt right there. And this has happened a few times at Penn State where at the very top, whether we were talking about Julian Fleming or Rucci who went to Wisconsin, you don't want to miss out on the top guys in your state. Certainly, no. I mean, you don't. And, you know, because you invest so much time and effort into these guys over the course of, you know, because you know about these young men before anybody else does really, right? Because, you, you, you know, you farm your own land, as they say. And so you take care of the guys that are in your territory. And so they've been recruiting Rodney for, you know, for years, obviously, and made it a priority to go see his basketball games and to see, you know, and to stay in touch with them for every little thing that's going on with them. So when you invest that amount of time and effort into something like this, and then ultimately it doesn't go your way, yeah, it hurts. And it's, and it's, you don't want to do that. You don't want to miss. It doesn't set a good precedent. I know, you know, missing out on somebody like Rodney Gallagher has a lot of people worried now what's going to happen with Tamir Robinson, right? Because you're talking about another local in-state kid. This, and there's there's rumors out there that he could be tied, uh, you know, a little bit up with a, you know, as a, almost like a package deal with Rodney. Now, what I've heard is that that's not the case. I've heard that that's maybe not, that, that we should not worry about that. And there's still good chance that Tamir ends up with Penn State, but with what's going on lately here, Jim, I don't know if I can sit here and tell you uh, not to worry about anything right now. But you know, they'll, they'll get it corrected. They'll get it figured out. You got to weather the storm. Like I said, it's the it's the waves of recruiting. It's an up and down type deal, um, and you got to take some of the good with the bad, I guess. And and they'll get through it. Like I said, but yeah, the, this one hurts, and this is not the one that you want to lose when you're talking about an in-state guy like this, who's you know one of the top top prospects in the state. And just when you go by the numbers, Eric, when you put out, you could only sign say 25 although that's changing but players and you're putting out 100 offers or 150 offers more guys are going to go elsewhere than are going to commit to your place so that's not uh, you know you've got to just get used to that if you Mm -hmm. follow recruiting the problem here is the in-state thing and obviously as you said they put a lot of effort into them this player but also missing out on He's not going to make that official visit, which when you're Penn State, that means so much because that family atmosphere that those players who do commit, that's what they talk about, and you don't always get that until you make that official visit, right? Right, and that's the most that that has to be the most frustrating part of this for the staff, for for Coach Franklin and his staff, and it leaves you scratching your head a little bit, quite frankly, and and because. You just want to get them on campus, like you said, for that official visit. You had the official visit already scheduled, right? You had it already – it was already on the docket for that June 17th weekend. Um, 
what's the harm? Why can't you just take your visits? Because what, what I would say, and this, uh, this is what I would, I struggled this when I was, when I was at Vanderbilt, right? And, and we would have this happen to us. We had this happen to us a few times where a kid had a scheduled visit with us. We had a great long-term relationship with him. And then only he doesn't take the visit. And I, what I say is like, why not? What's the hurt? Like almost, you know, like you as the prospect, we talk about what these kids deserve and what they've earned, right? You only get five official visits, so like you've earned the opportunity to go get spoiled a little bit, go get wined and dined at each of these places, go get, you know, have the re- check out what the relationships are like to each with each of these staffs. So you have something to compare. Now you've done a lot of things with unofficial visits and things like that. So you can compare it. Um, but there's not anything like an official visit. Those 48 hours are critical, like you said, for multiple reasons. And so like, if I'm the Penn State staff, that's the thing that I have the hardest problem swallowing with all of this is like, why can't you just take the official visit? Like, what's the problem in that? Like, can't two more weeks, three more weeks versus you know now? What's the what's the difference there? And then so yeah, if if you're the Penn State staff or if you're you know Coach Franklin and you're looking at this from like what happened, like where did this one go wrong? You know, I don't you know I'm sure they have many thoughts and uh, ideas on maybe what's crept in here and and what's led this one astray. Um, but ultimately, I'm just asking myself is why couldn't you just take that official visit? It was all on the docket and we had this big thing planned and we've had this long-standing relationship is what's the hurt in that? And I don't know. That's the, that's the million dollar question. Like I said, that I've struggled with for years. And I'm sure if you're West Virginia, you're not as adamant about the player taking all five of his official visits if the decision's going in your favor. But we, we can't talk about this, Eric, without, you know, talking about the elephant in the room and this new day and age of recruiting, it's NIL. Now, we right. don't know if that's what happened here, that there's NIL money at West Virginia that maybe isn't there at Penn State. But if you're a Penn State fan, that's in the back of your head. It has to be, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, it's it's kind of the day and age that we're in right now. And in the, in the world that we're living in is like, you, you it creeps in your head, right? Like, what what happened there? What's the NIL deal? And and quite frankly, maybe that's kind of what explains why you can't take the visit to Penn State. Maybe that's part of the deal, I guess. I don't know, right? And like that's pure speculation on my part on, in terms of that. But like that is it's it's only, you know, I guess human nature at this point to really think about that. And and I've heard that 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 it played in. I heard that I've heard that West Virginia has some some, you know, backers there that are willing to jump in, you know, and support the NIL and, and, and who knows, right? I mean, none of us really know. And, 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 and I'm sure, you know, everybody would argue that the relationships, maybe Rodney has a stronger relationship with those at West Virginia and this and that. And so there's many different factors that you probably will never really be able to boil it right down to what it really was. Um, but it's hard not to think that NIL didn't play some sort of factor in not only the decision to go to West Virginia, but the decision to speed up your timeline and cancel the other visits that you're, that you're, hoping to take and by the way just my opinion if i cannot blame the kid if there's money out there and he took it you know we don't blame the coaches for taking the big money why should we blame the players for doing the same thing there's one other player that penn state was pursuing that it appears it's kind of the same deal it appears he's on his way to Northwestern, and that's Mason Robinson. He's a defensive end from McDonough down in Maryland, the place where Penn State has done well recruiting there. The player chose Northwestern. That one also has to be a little surprised, and I guess it's kind of the same issue with him also. 
having an official visit set at Penn State and getting it canceled. Yeah, another head scratcher, quite frankly. And you know, because like he hasn't even visited Northwestern ever, right? Like he's never been to, to been to Chicago or Evanston and visited Northwestern. And so he goes and takes one official visit. It's his first official visit comes out of it and commits. And so like, again, back to what we talked about, my struggle when I was at Vanderbilt. My struggle here is like, you that was your first time ever going there. Why not go see some of these other places compares? And and from what I've heard or what I've gathered is that they, they took a lot of the other unofficial visits to a lot of these different places with the mindset that they could make a quick decision, that the family could make a quick decision if they found the place that really felt like home. And so like that must have been what happened with, with, with Northwestern. Northwestern does do a fantastic job with these summer official visits. They get these kids out to Wrigley Field, and they, you know, they, obviously being in Chicago um, in the summer is a heck of a lot better than being in Chicago in the winter, and so they take that to the full advantage uh, and things like that. And so um, they do a tremendous job with these kids of getting these kids locked in early. Uh, I experienced that. No, I mean, I had a lot of experience with that at Vanderbilt, obviously, because we competed for a lot of the same kids. Um, and so, but yeah, another head scratcher, another a lot of positive things from the Robinson camp about Penn State, right? And a lot of uh, long-standing relationships there, history, like you've said, with, with the program, with this high school program and and things like that. And so it just makes you wonder, is like, why couldn't you just get to that official visit with us and just so you have some things to compare and you know as you're going through your process? It just It's a real head-scratcher, Jim. I, I don't know. I wish I had the answers on those ones. At some point, though, you also just have to say, myself, I'm a Penn State grad, and I just – can't understand why someone would choose somewhere else other than Penn State. But really, if a kid chooses a Northwestern to attend, that's a pretty darn good school to go to. Right, exactly. And, you know, so that's why you know, there's a lot of positives about Northwestern. There's a lot of positives about the education that you're going to get there. And I think, you know, Mason is a high academic young man. He's a very intelligent young man, very smart. And so it's it, very reasonable believing. And, and that is what happens. And, and, and what we always said before um, NIL and all those different things that came into effect is I always said when you're doing the official visit schedule or when you're setting up official visits with a young man, you either want to be first or you want to be last, right? Because if you're first, you can set the bar high and or you can make him fall in love and get him to commit, right? So you get that first opportunity to get him to cancel all those other official visits. Like, I know I was going on that whole thing, a tangent about, you know, why can't you take your other ones? But yeah, if I'm the first school, yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do is lock you in and get to cancel the other ones. Or if I'm last, I'm the, I'm the one that had the last, uh, you know, time to play on those emotions to get in your ear. And the last thing that you'll remember before your decision was your official visit with us. So we always said you want to be first or you want to be last. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of just, you know, the, uh, it, that's what happened here, I guess, is they got first and I think they got the commitment. All right. That is it for this edition of the show. Eric, your assignment for next week is you need to come in with some better news. All right. Got to bring, I got to bring some good news to you. I, you know, no doubt we're working on it. <laughs> okay. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone kickoff show. This is Jen from collegiate athletic travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn state games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. 
In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814 206 